and welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Sonny and I'm coming up on the show, racism rearing its ugly head in a place that they want you to turn away from. It doesn't exist here. It's you. You're the racist, not us. And so that's what we're going to talk about coming up on the show. Now, you've heard the saying, I'm sure, he doth protest too much. That usually means the person that is accusing somebody else or that is trying to have this platform, this soapbox of whatever that they're speaking out against is usually the one that is guilty of doing whatever it is they're preaching out against. Happens all through history. Racism has become one of those things. For the past, oh, I don't know, six years maybe, maybe more, we have heard people that are of a conservative mindset. You are racist. You're a white supremacist. You're misogynistic. You're transphobic. You're homophobic. You're any other phobics that might be out there. And any other name that you want to call the conservative mindset, because they don't agree with a liberal narrative. Now, if you want to be honest and have an honest conversation about this, the liberal narrative or any narrative right now in this country is being driven by a liberal-minded person, whether it be the media or whether it be politicians, actors. There's very few conservatives out there that are pushing any type of narrative because it's hard to get it out there. And when you use platforms such as social media, it gets censored. And then you have people like PayPal coming out and saying that we're going to fine you and basically steal $2,500 from you if we think you say something that considered in misinformation. Now, when it comes to censorship, the show, I mean, who are we? We're just a little bitty show. We've been censored by YouTube. Counts uh, hasn't been frozen, but we've had videos taken down because information apparently didn't match up with what they wanted us to say, I guess. And so then we got videos taken down and our account was like frozen for a week. You've all been there. You know what I'm talking about. And so then other people on social media have been kicked off of Twitter, maybe other social media platforms, or maybe they tag something and it becomes hypocritical because now we're starting to see with our current president and some of the things that he's talking and saying, it's completely wrong. And can be proven to be wrong, but yet they let it slide. But anyways, so you have this narrative, and this narrative on racism is always being presented from one side. If you're white, you're racist just because you were born that way. If you don't believe what we say, you're uh, you're a racist and a white supremacist. Um, people such as Larry Elder, a conservative black man, Candace Owens, a conservative wh- uh, black woman, are a racist because, and Uncle Tom's on top of it. Because they don't aspire to the liberal agenda. They have their own narrative, and that's a conservative one. And that's the difference, because the difference between liberal and and conservative isn't that conservatives have a narrative. It's they just want truth. They just want honesty. They just want integrity. Liberals tends to be they have a narrative that they want to push, and they all will wrap around this narrative. You could just go watch any of the um, news Outlets, the talking points that you see these Democratic politicians, it's all the same thing. They're all saying the exact exact verbiage, word for word, and that's a narrative. 
that gets pushed out there. How many times have we seen a story? What about the, uh, we've talked about it just recently, about the, um, the noose that was supposedly in the garage of NASCAR. FBI came out, and everybody came out. It turned out to be the rope that closes the door. But no, it was racist. NASCAR's racist because we had this noose that somebody hung. Well, what about Jesse Smollett? Everybody ran with that. He was a victim of a hate crime. Turned out fake. He was the one that committed it. Racism. But no, he's not a racist. He's a victim of other people who are racist that drove him to do that. So again, when you have a narrative of racism, it usually comes from the liberal-minded, the Democrats, and that liberal media pushing that you, if you're a conservative or if you don't agree with what they say, you are the racist, the white supremacist, the homophobic, the transphobic, the misogynist, and on and on and on. So is it surprising when we hear the story coming out of Los Angeles, the city of angels, city council president, Nuri Martinez, Gil Sadio, Kevin DeLeon, and I believe his name is Ron Herrera. He's like some union activist, labor leader, some guy like that. Well, they are caught on tape making racist comments about the child of another city councilman. So there's another city councilman, Councilman Bonin, who adopted a black child. And so there were some comments made. They were leaked somehow. And now there's a firestorm. And it's coming from the Democratic Council people on the L.A. City Council. And this is what was said. It's like black and brown on this float. And then there's this this white guy with this little black kid who's misbehaved. The kid is bouncing off the effing walls on the float, practically tipping it over. There's nothing you can do to control him. Translation, little monkey. They're raising him like a little white kid, which I was like, this kid is a beat down. Like, let me, let me take him around the corner and then I'll bring him back. So she basically, in this leaked audio, calls this little black boy a little monkey. Racist. Now, Martinez, Cedillo, and De Leon, they're all Hispanic. Okay, they're not white. They're Hispanic Democrats that have been in politics in California for a while now. And they call this little black boy a monkey. Should that be tolerated? Absolutely not. But were people tolerating it? Well, lick your finger, stick it in the proverbial political wind, see how it's going, and then you react. So the initial steps... For Nuri Martinez, who was actually the one speaking, she decides that she's going to resign as president of the city council. She's not going to resign her council seat. She's going to resign as president. Lick the finger, put it in the proverbial political wind. No, not good enough. So next step, she goes, okay, I'm going to take a leave of absence. Leave of absence and hope that, well, she called it to reflect and to heal and to get with her constituents and family and try to figure this out. When in reality, she was just trying to dodge the mainstream and try to get out of it, let everything simmer down, and then she'd come back and be like, okay, I'm sorry, and let's go on. That didn't work. Still, the firestorm, the protesting, people marching in Los Angeles, which is good. They should call this out. And then finally, as of now, this particular moment in time that I'm speaking to you, 
she resigned altogether. Stepped away. Done. And I hope she's done. She deserves to be done for that. Because how many times have these people called you a racist? I remember back in 2020, Black Lives Matter. You're a racist if you didn't support Black Lives Matter. You were a racist if you said blue lives matter or all lives matter. You were a racist because it was all about just black lives mattering at that moment in time. And these people were out there marching, protesting against the white man, against the racist, because they were keeping black people down. But yet here, Nuri Martinez calling a little black boy a monkey. That's terrible. And this is from the same people calling you racist for your beliefs. Now, Gil Cedillo, as of this conversation right now I'm having with you, we uh, haven't heard anything about him, although he lost his reelection bid, so he's going to be kicked out anyways because he lost. Um, that union guy or that representative, Ron Herrera, he resigned his position, whatever that means. It's a non-elected position. And Kevin DeLeon is the only one left standing. He used to be the um, president of the Senate in California. And now he's a city council person and... Haven't heard anything as of this moment in time. So the political freefall over those unguarded, were they really unguarded words? It was intent. You can hear the intent. And she says in Spanish too, had to be translated. That's why you heard that kind of dubbed a voice, little monkey, because she said in Spanish. And she goes on and on and on. Now, during this conversation, apparently it dealt with a lot of different things, including redistricting. She also used um, not only calling this little boy a little monkey, she used uh, derogatory language uh, about uh, people in Koreatown. Little, short, dark people in Koreatown were ugly. And using negative terminology, derogatory terminology against people from Mexico, calling them ugly. So her own fellow Mexicans are also ugly. And then George Gascon, who is the uh, um, the district attorney out there, apparently there's some redistricting things going on, and they're arguing whether we should redistrict this way because of blacks or this way because of Latinos. And, of course, the three members of the council are Latino, and they wanted more of a Hispanic influence. And so they were like, George Gascon, F that guy, he's with the blacks. And it goes on and on. And so you sit there and you look at this and it's like, oh, is it just another episode where we look the other way? Or is it something that we have to delve into? Because here's the thing. We are always being told that we need to end racism. You can watch, I believe it's the NFL or maybe the NBA and you see on the court, you see in the end zone, end racism, end it. But how can we end it when you've got people in leadership that are the racists? They're the ones that are promoting racism. They're the ones that are engaging in that activity. And the only reason why they're sorry is because they get caught. This is leaked audio. How do we know that this wasn't said in other contexts, in other interviews, or in other meetings that they were conducting? This wasn't a one-time thing. This has been going on and on and on. So anytime someone says end racism you got to start with these people, the political leaders. And that's why I've always said that you cannot solve any issue from the national level or the big picture level because they're the ones that are guilty of doing this very thing that they're accusing you of doing. That's why it starts at the grassroots level, the neighborhood, the communities. And then hopefully it goes up from there. Now, it's a good thing the residents of L.A. 
grows up and these people are out, at least Martinez is, Cedillo, he might just stay and wait for the uh, term to end because he got voted out. And then we wait on Kevin DeLeon. They should keep the pressure on him because you can't have racist people in office and then step up to the podium and tell us that we need to end racism and we're the racists for whatever our beliefs are and they're the ones behind closed doors being racist. That's what it comes down to. So she initially said that she takes responsibility for her actions and there's no excuses. I'm sorry. I sincerely apologize to the people I hurt with my words, my colleagues and families, and on and on and on. As someone who believes deeply in the empowerment of communities of color, I recognize my comments undercut that goal. Ask for forgiveness. Okay. On face value, that's great. But does she really mean it? Because she got caught. See, and that's the thing. If you are doing something and you don't have a guilty conscience about what you're doing, you're not sorry. You're sorry you got caught. Because if you do something that's wrong and you know it to be wrong and you have a guilty conscience about it, now you know it's wrong. You may still go ahead and do it, but that guilty conscience is eating at you like, oh, I shouldn't have done that or maybe we shouldn't do this. If you think twice about it, that's a guilty conscience. That's the thing that's eating at you. And so you know it's wrong and there is a little bit of like apologetic behavior or thought in you for doing it. But if you don't have a guilty conscience about it, if you don't have any, oh, man, I should never said that. And that's the thing. So this is going on, and not until the audio is leaked that she becomes apologetic. Again, like all politicians, they're sorry they got caught, not because of what they've done. That could happen in a lot of things outside of politics. You're not sorry until you get caught. And then there's times where people say something, and immediately they're apologetic for it. They catch themselves because they know that's bad. See, not every time someone says something that is deemed racist means they're a racist. You can have say something that is racist in a moment of anger, in a moment of heat, uh, heated anger, whatever. That doesn't necessarily mean you're a racist because a racist and believing in racism means that you have a pattern of belief in that. Just like if you sit there and maybe you have a drink or two, And maybe you drink a little too much. Maybe you pass out. Maybe that's the first time you've done it. Maybe you've done it a couple times in your life. Does that mean you're an alcoholic? Probably not. Alcoholics are drinking all the time. They're getting drunk all the time. That influence of alcohol, that influence of alcohol continues to be impressed upon them. And they have no guilt for what they've done. They're not sorry for what they've done. They might be apologetic because they got caught or something, but they're not truly sorry. I think that's a part of the 12 steps, isn't it? Seek forgiveness, reconciliation. But when you're not apologetic or sorry for your racist comments, and I'm sure there's more because these three, and there is more, The little monkey that that little boy is. People from Mexico, parts of Mexico, you're ugly. Oh, F him, he's with the blacks. So there's a pattern of offensive words being used. That makes them racists because it's an ongoing pattern. And so you could take your sorry and you could be like, ooh, I'm sorry I did this, I did that. But no, you're not sorry because you 
are genuinely sorry. You're sorry you got caught. Now it's going to cost you. Cost you big. Cost you politically. Julian Castro, former Secretary of Health and Human Services, who's also a former mayor of San Antonio, Democrat, which now all Democrats are coming out against them because stick your finger, lick your finger, stick it in the proverbial political wind. Oh, this is bad. We need to denounce this. So everybody jumps on and denounces it. But here's what he had to say. And what really struck me about this recording, Jason, is that you have these council members, uh, each of whom represents some vulnerable communities, neighborhoods out there in L.A. themselves, uh, being racist, being homophobic, uh, being anti-Indigenous, putting down other vulnerable people when what they should be doing is trying to build those coalitions because those constituents they're trying to serve, or at least they say they're trying to serve, they're elected to serve, absolutely need them to do that in a power structure that too often times is stacked against all of those groups that they're talking about and the ones that they say they represent. That's what makes it particularly sad. And I think uh, disappointing and embarrassing for these council members. See, and that's the thing they are supposed to, it's one thing. Racism is never acceptable. Let's just get that clear. Racism, racism should never be tolerated no matter what. Okay. But racism should not be tolerated. But if a white dude is racist, okay, you could maybe chalk it up to some things. Unacceptable, yes, but maybe he was raised that way. And we'll get to that point in a moment. Stay with me. White people have always kind of been on top in the eyes of everybody. It's the black people, it's the Hispanics, it's the other people, the so-called non-white people, even though I believe people are people, but it's the non-white people that have been suppressed, oppressed, pushed down, right? Okay, so now you have the very people, your people. They are in positions of leadership. You finally arrived. You've kind of broken that glass ceiling. You've got a city council that is representative of the people of the city. We finally have some equality, some balance. This is what we're striving for, right? We're striving for this equality so that the Hispanic community has a say. And you got your council members. You have the black community. They have a say with their council members. The Jewish community, they've got council members. They have a say. The white community got council members. They've got a say. We're getting this balance. We're starting to have equal representation by all, right? And then what happens? You are violated. You are violated by the very people that you sent there to represent you. Like he said, these people that are trying to get a leg up trying to fight the system to get up there, finally have people in their corner to help them, and what do they do? They turn around and they hurt them. It would be like someone who is trying to rescue sex trafficking people. You rescue them from sex trafficking, but then you turn around and you violate them sexually. Or you rescue kids from an abusive situation because you're a part of child protective services, and then you turn around and you beat them. Or you're the Catholic church. And you molest boys. That's a fact. Go look it up. Oh, you're the Boy Scouts. And you might do the same thing. That's a gross violation because the trust has been put into you to do something to help us collectively rise above all this other stuff that the mainstream, that the narrative is. We are oppressed. We are pushed down. We've got to try to get equal representation. We want a voice. We want to rise up. 
And then all of a sudden now it's like the people that got elected into office by you, the representative of the people, by the people, for the people, are now the ones that are hurting you because they're the ones making racist statements about the other community. So now you have, and there's always been, especially in a place like Los Angeles, there's always been racial tension. It might not always be on the forefront. It might not always be newsworthy. But growing up in L.A., being a part of L.A. for a long time, you can kind of see the racial tension in certain areas, in certain environments. Okay? So now you've got Hispanic leaders calling out a little black boy, calling him a monkey. Now, how are you supposed to have a relationship between the black community and the Hispanic community when you've got leaders bad-mouthing the color, the race of somebody else? So that's why it's good to see now, because originally you look back at the press conference or the press release, therefore, effectively, I am resigning as president of the Los Angeles City Council. She wasn't initially resigning her position. As I asked for forgiveness from my colleagues, from the residents of the city that I love so much, on and on and on, I'm going to resign my position as president. A little slap on the wrist I'm going to give myself. What about recently when uh, Nancy Pelosi said you need migrants down in Florida to pick the fruit? That's the other thing I don't understand. And why is that? Why is it that immigrants are always viewed as the laborers? Can you explain that to me? There are people that come from other countries that are educated as doctors, as lawyers, as engineers, as things other than day laborers. And so they're coming here to try to make a better life for themselves. They're completely qualified and capable of performing surgery, dentistry, practicing law in their own country. They come here and what? They're relegated to day labor, relegated to cleaning in the hotels or working in kitchens or maybe doing like uh, simple jobs at hospitals. Why is that? Why do we say come here and be a part of us And yet then we demean them and limit what they can do. Why don't we have opportunities for them to rise up to be able to attain whatever it is they need so that they can continue being those doctors, those uh, lawyers, scientists? How many scientists and people come to our country to get educated and then they leave and go back to their country? So why can't they come here and be those doctors, those lawyers? those scientists, those businessmen? Why do we limit them to picking crop in Florida or being day laborers? They're capable of being much more if we take the lid off of them, we take that ceiling off of them. Just like women. Women wanted to break that glass ceiling, right? We talked about it in our last episode. Women wanted to break that glass ceiling And so we try to promote women, promote women, promote women because we've been keeping them down way too long, right? And then it was race. We got to include uh, other people of race, try to bring them up as well so that it's an equal playing field. But yet immigrants, no, they can come in because we may want them as a voting base, but you're limited to menial jobs. Ask around, talk to people. It's not a secret. You don't have to rely on the news or the internet Just talk to people, and they will tell you what's going on. You want an example of talking to people? Okay. You've heard of 
the term Latinx, right? Also, there's the hyphenated American, right? African-American. So we have to refer to them as African-American because that's what they want, right? Ask anybody. I just had a conversation the other night. It was me. It was a black guy, adults. It was um, Dominican. She was a lady from the Dominican Republic and a lady from Mexico. White, black, and then varying degrees of Hispanic. Okay? We're all in this conversation. And in this conversation... We're asking questions and we're talking and basically I'm the one asking the questions because I'm trying to find out more about them. I'm curious. I like to know. People who know me realize that or know that I like to have conversations and ask people and ask the tough questions because I want to know. And so I asked the black guy, hey, is it, are you black or are you African-American? He's like, man, I'm black. In fact, he didn't really care either way as long as you addressed him with respect back in 2020 when BLM was running amok did a couple interviews with some former students Dan West and Brandon Wade black guys asked them are you black or are you african-american and Daniel made the comment he's like well I don't view myself as a black person I view myself as a person who happens to be black and as long as you address me respectfully I can be African-American or I could be black. And that's what it comes down to. Brandon Wade was pretty much a similar situation. Treat people with respect regardless of color because people aren't a black person, a brown person, a white person, a whatever person. They are a person who just happens to be dot, 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 dot. But we get away from that and we have to have this political ideology about racism and this political ideology about race what's the only entity that asks for your race usually something of a governmental paperwork something government what's your race i can't remember the last time i filled out a job application that asked me my race But on these applications, they do. Now, they still, may, they still may do in certain areas. I might not just be looking for the jobs that necessarily require that. But why do we need to know somebody's race on a job application? Does it really matter what the race is? If you're looking at this entire resume, oh, this is a good resume. person has a lot of experience person has a lot of expertise in the area that we want to hire this person. This is great. Top of the class. We're going to hire this person. Oh, wait, race. Mm, no, nah, can't do it. Well, now you are racist. Because race should not matter. Gender really shouldn't matter. Now, again, there might be some cases where we have to pay attention to race. Son, what do you mean? Well, think about it. There are some religions out there that require certain things of the people that practice those religions. So you might need a female doctor, a male doctor, a female whatever, a male whatever to fill that role because there are certain religions that require certain things and prohibit things such as maybe male-female interaction unless it's your spouse, your husband, your wife. And so you have to be considerate of that. But take those exceptions Okay, a resume should be a resume. Why do we need to know race? The other thing, too, is that, 
I'm debating whether or not to play it because I really don't want to make it political. But it's always like, why does hate always come from one side? You know, why is hate and violence being preached from one side? You would talk about those that protest too much are the ones usually the ones committing the act. Well, here's a montage from the Democratic Party calling for violence against people. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. you got to be ready to throw a punch. You have to be ready to throw a punch. Donald Trump, I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. That I thought he should have punched him in the face. I feel like punching him. I'd like to take him behind the gym if I were in high school. If we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. No, I wish we were in high school, I could take him behind the gym. I will go and take Trump out tonight. Take them out now. When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Please. Get up in the face of some Congress people. People will do what they do. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. We're going to go in there, we're going to... This is just a warning to you Trumpers. Be careful. Walk lightly. And for those of you who are soldiers, make them pay. If you had to be stuck in an elevator with either President Trump, Mike Pence, or Jeff Sessions, who would it be? Does one of us have to come out alive? (laughs) And she laughs about it. Get up in the face of a congressperson. Yeah, it's about time we get into the face of these congresspeople. Vote them out. Start there. Because, again, how are we going to end racism if we've got people on city council being racist? How are we going to end violence if we continue to have people calling for violence? We heard about assassinating the president. How many of you were, uh, was it Team Johnny or Team Depp during that civil lawsuit with Amanda Heard? You guys were all for Johnny Depp. There he's just calling about assassinating the president. And yet you celebrate him. Why? That should be condoned. Violence against somebody. Punch in the face, punch in the face, punch in the face. Push back. Make them pay. How about Chuck Schumer calling out Gorsuch? Kavanaugh. And then what happened? There was an assassination attempt that was put into play by somebody that heard that and wanted to act upon it. You can't be having people in leadership doing this type of thing and getting away with it because then they turn around and they accuse you of doing it. It's unbelievable. And you guys will sit there and you guys will continue to support these people. Because you have a political ideology that lowers your standard, does not bring out your inner greatness. You sit there and you continue to support this behavior. Let's take a look at Black Lives Matter. $80 million raised. Where's the money? That's the big question that people are starting to ask. Where's the money? Where's the money? So much so, Sharon Osborne, Sharon and Ozzy Osborne. Wants her $900,000 back. 
that she donated to BLM. They did nothing with it. Where is it? Cities are still burned down. Things have not been rebuilt. And yet people are telling us that we need to end racism. We need to end the violence. We need to promote equality. And yet they're the ones not doing that. The reason why people go to uh, Congress and want to be in office is because of, it because it's, it's the um, oligarchy of America. You go there to become rich. Remember when AOC first got elected a couple years ago? She was bitching about how she couldn't afford rent. Go look what she's uh, worth now. You go to Congress to become a millionaire. You get exempt from all the rules and all the legislation that you enact upon other people. Happened under Obamacare, the Cadillac insurances that the uh, sitting members of Congress had at the time. They wrote an exemption for themselves so they can keep their insurance. That they like their doctor, they can keep their doctor. One of the biggest lies ever told. Much like I did not have sex with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. And that's where I think it started. People started to tolerate lies at that moment for political ideology, for political agenda. And from that moment on, it was a game changer. Lies became okay in the mainstream. Prior to that, they weren't. Even in, back in the day before cable, when you just had the nightly news on CBS, NBC, and ABC, and maybe the PBS NewsHour with Jim Lurer, whatever that guy's name was. Lying wasn't tolerated up until that point. Once Clinton made that statement and it was accepted, it was a game changer. Lying became the new norm, as they say it. So can black people be racist? Or is it just white people? Here's a uh, man on the street. Can black people be racist? This is Veronica Wells from AdamNoir.com, and today's Madam on the Street question is, can black people be racist? Of course they can. Anyone can be racist. But what bothers me is when people are racist against their own kind. You know, so that, to me, that's the biggest form of racism. When you don't want to date your own race, you only want to date outside your race, or you feel that you're, you're, uh, your race is clearly beneath you. You know what I'm saying? And there's some people that's like that. They don't like dark too, um, blacks is too dark or blacks is too light, and they discriminate. Yes, they can be racist. Due to the fact that white people was racist first, that's why black people are racist. They taught us racism. They taught us separation. I mean, not racist, but like maybe we can be stereotypical. Um, Just... I don't know, because I am. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not even going to lie. Why? Why is she? How, why can black people be racist? Because anybody is racist. Like, anybody in the world could be racist. It don't matter black or white. It's, it's just if you don't have the knowledge, you're racist. Like, you judge people, you're racist. Just chill out. They can be very racist sometimes, because, like, some of my friends, they, they just say, they stereotype, like, Spanish people and white people. They they can be, because they're we're, stereotypical too. I think everybody has their own stereotypes and prejudice and regardless of race, even black people can be racist. We're the most racist. Oh, why do you that? Because sometimes we don't even like our own kind. So that's man on the street asking all black people, 
Can black people be racist? Various varying degrees of answer. And stereotypical or stereotypes came up a big as a as a big buzzword there. Did you notice that? It went stereotypes. Prejudices, but stereotypes. And then the one girl's like, Yeah, my friends. Well, call them out. If your friends are racist, maybe you should call them out. Just saying. And so yeah, anybody can be racist. It doesn't matter. Anybody can have their prejudices. It doesn't matter. Because it's on the heart. And I've talked about this many times before. What's in our heart is going to come out. If we have a racist heart, it's going to come out, much like we saw from these city council uh, members. If you have a racist heart, you're going to, or an evil heart, or heart of hatred, or just a hard heart. If you're not showing loving kindness, if you're not showing empathy, if you're not showing respect, if you're not showing goodness, if you're not showing love towards others, if you're not showing mercy, if you're not showing forgiveness, those are the traits of a soft heart. Not someone that's going to be pushed over and bullied, but a soft heart, compassion. If you have a hard heart, you're going to be mean. You're going to be a bully. You're going to be a racist. You're not going to have empathy. You're not going to care what the other person thinks when you say whatever it is you say, when you call somebody's son a little monkey and you have no guilt, no regret for saying that. Only after you get caught are you sorry and slap yourself on the wrist by stepping down as president before the winds of change came and kicked you in the ass and now you had to retire or resign your position altogether because the city... The constituents rose up. And that's the thing people don't understand. Constituency, parents, the people, we the people have the power. All we have to do is take it back. Take it back in the voting booth. Take it back and letting them know that what they're doing is wrong. Racism is wrong, and it starts with you. At the top, city council, elected officials, stop being racist. Stop making us as the ones that are racist when you are the ones. Now, I bring, I bring him up a couple times. Red Barber. Red Barber was the Dodgers play-by-play announcer when Jackie Robinson broke into Major League Baseball. Okay, you might not think that's a big deal. But there's a couple things. I want to play the clip again. Played it a couple times recently, but I'm going to play it again because I want you to hear a couple of things. Okay, he comes from Mississippi. Okay. Mississippi and probably Alabama with a heartbeat of racism in America. I mean, bad stuff, lynchings. Obviously, you had the slavery, roots in slavery. Probably the worst of the worst. Mississippi was right there. And so here's a guy, Red Barber, probably grew up racist because that was the norm. That's what he was taught. And if I can pause just for a moment about teaching, Again, go look on an elementary school playground. You see kids of all colors, races, creeds, playing together, having fun. They are not thinking one thing about racism, about race. They're just out there having fun. Yeah, they may squabble because Johnny kicked the ball too hard or so-and-so is not playing nicely or this person's not sharing. Race is not an issue. By the time they get to high school, now they're not even playing with each other, but they hate each other because of the color of their skin. Now, you tell me that is not taught. That is racism that is taught by somebody somewhere. Because those kids would not 
be racist towards each other and hate each other after playing on the elementary school playground if it wasn't taught them. So Red Barber, it was taught racism. And so when it was told that a black player was coming to the Dodgers, this is what he said. Of course, it was a shock to me when Mr. Ricky told me in confidence that he was going to bring a black player. He told me this before the Avenue Robinson was coming. He told me this in March of 1945. And he didn't come in touch with Robinson himself until late that year. But I knew Mr. Ricky when he said he was going to do something, he was going to do it. And I had to examine myself. Of course, Mr. Ricky gave me time to either make up my mind to broadcast properly through a very stormy period or quit. And my first reaction was when I came home, told Lala that I said, I'm going to quit. I don't think I can go through with this. And she said, well, very wise woman. She said, you don't have to quit right now. Let's have a martini. And I began to think about it as the days went by. And I had to understand that it was by chance that I was born white. I could have been born black. I could have been born uh, to any, any parents, any place, any time. Judge Landis was not dead. And as I wrestled with myself, I heard the voice from the grave saying, report. Report. So here he had to make up, a, make up his mind, make a decision as to whether or not I'm going to report and report properly during a stormy period. Did you hear that? Report properly. That meant reporting the facts, reporting what's going on. Don't bring your biased opinion to the table. And because he did that, even though Jackie Robinson had a hard time, but because he did that, he reported properly and wasn't racist towards Jackie Robinson. The listeners accepted Jackie Robinson. Now, again, it wasn't easy. It wasn't immediate. It was a rough go all the way around. But he helped just by checking himself and then realizing that maybe the thoughts and the beliefs and the opinions that I've held all these years, maybe they were wrong. And he changed. That was 1945. 60s were still, what, 15, 20 years away before the civil rights movement of the 60s. So that was Red Barber. And then he says, by chance, we have no control over what skin we're born with. We have no control over who our parents are. Nobody. It's by chance I'm born white. It's by chance you're born with whatever skin color you're born. And so we have to check ourselves. Maybe we have to have that proverbial martini and think about what am, what am I doing? Am I right? Am I wrong? Are my thoughts and opinions right or wrong? How should I think about this? Do black lives matter? Absolutely. Do blue lives matter? Absolutely. Do all lives matter? Absolutely. Do baby lives matter? Absolutely. But yet we sit there and we... We try to maneuver the political game or maneuver our friends, the social circle, so that we can still remain maintain our friendships with people that might think differently. 
play all these games. All it, all it should really matter is have your martini, check yourself, and decide on your heart what's coming out, and then act accordingly, and then own up to it. If you're racist, own up to it. You're wrong, but own up to it. Don't be a phony. Don't be a fake. Own up to it. And if you can't, if you can't own up and be true to your true feelings, your true convictions, then maybe you need to check yourself. Now, we did a uh, show. It's episode 92. So if you go to our website, RadioWarp.com, that's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com, and you click on the Two Steps Head podcast logo, it takes you to the page that has the shows on it. There's the SoundCloud section with our audio portion, and there's a video, and you can click the video, and it takes us to our Rumble page or our YouTube page, whatever it is. We have Rumble on YouTube because YouTube censors, Rumble doesn't. Anyway, so it takes you to a YouTube page so you can see the videos. And so if you scroll through, or if you go to our Instagram page at TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, you click the um, link tree link in the bio, and again, you get to the SoundCloud or the YouTube or the Rumble, and <clears throat> scroll to 92, uh, episode 92. This current episode that we're on is episode 140. Yay, we made it. Um, but go back to 192. The title is, What Causes Our Country to Be So Divided? Episode 92, What Causes Our Country to Be So Divided? Now, in that episode, we go into detail what I'm about to mention. Okay, So Jane Elliott did an experiment. Okay, It was the night Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, and she's sitting there, and she's watching the nightly news. And as these white announcers are talking and reporting on it, they would have these black people come on to talk. And they would say terms like, now who's going to be your leader? Who's going to be your spokesperson? Who's going to be your, and kept referring them as your, your, your. And she thought that was very odd and thought it was really wrong because it should be our collectively. So she's been fighting racism way back when, over, I think it's been, what, 50, 55 years now? So she does this experiment the next day. Okay, she's in Iowa, small town Iowa, completely white. And she takes the class and divides them up into blue-eyed kids and green-eyed kids or brown-eyed kids. Uh, it's brown-eyed, brown and blue. And she divides them. Now, think about this. Up until this point, the kids never thought anything about anything. Now, all of a sudden, she tells them, you the blue-eyed group, you're the brown-eyed group. And you know what? Today, the blue-eyed group is the better group. She lets them go first at recess. She lets them have extra play time. She lets them drink out of the drinking fountain and does all that stuff. Okay. You can go online and search Jane Elliott and actually watch it. Watch the documentary or the video. She goes through it all. Or you can go to our episode 92, what causes our country to be so divided. And we go into depth on it. But anyways, and all of a sudden they become divided. The blue eyed think they're superior than the brown eyed. The blue-eyed now are taking advantage and trying to oppress the brown-eyed. And they're making excuses. Why didn't this person do homework? Oh, because he's brown-eyed. That's why they have their deficiencies. And then the next day she flipped it. And the brown-eyed, who had just experienced all that hatred and negativity the day before, were now putting it back on the blue-eyed. And it goes on and on. And then all of a sudden she brings them together and she realizes that because of this experiment, you see people starting to hate each other 
based on something they have no control over. In this case, it was the color of their eyes. So in 2018, because she is older now, I think she's still alive, maybe 88, 89 years old. But in 2018, she had an interview. And this one, I think, was like 50 years after she started it because she started it right after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. She started this experiment because she wanted to break down racial divide because you can't like, like um, Red Barber said, by chance, I am born with white skin. By chance, I am born with black skin. By chance, I am born with blue eyes. By chance, I am born with brown eyes. Something you have no control over, we fight and are racist about. And so she was trying to break that stereotype. And so this was something she referred to in 2018, which was 50 years after she initially started this, um, I think became yearly or a pretty regular experiment that she did. But she goes on to talk about how, like you said, in a, in a matter of 15 minutes, vicious, ugly, discriminatory, domineering, probably victimizing. I know in there they were talking about how one kid got so mad that he punched somebody in the mouth. There was another one that talked about, like I said, the homework. Because he's brown-eyed or blue-eyed, he didn't get his work done. The weaker side became timid, weak, frustrated, angry. And it goes on and on. And I had a longer clip, but I guess, I don't know, technical difficulties, nature of the business. But she goes on and on, describes how she saw these people that the day before were playing nicely, never had a thought in the world about hating each other. All this, and they're all white. It's all white people. But because she made a distinction on the color of their eyes and made one superior, her narrative is this group with this eye color is superior. They rose to that and became nasty, ugly, vicious, mean. And they were domineering over this side, which became weak, timid, fragile, frightened over eye color. Now think about the history of this country with skin color and how the narrative continues to this day. To this day, with people on L.A. City Council and other places being racist, telling us we need to end racism, but they're the racists. They're the ones that continue. They're the so-called, quote-unquote, if I may, Jane Elliott's. They're the ones that are stirring the pot. Now, she did it for a good reason because she wanted to teach them a lesson. And as it goes on in that episode that we talk about, in episode 92, she then brings them back in and discusses and goes over it and shows them that look at what they did. Look at what they become. Just because I said this, you guys adapted to that, and then you became vicious, mean, you became weak, timid, frightened. And then she brought them together, discussed it, and showed them that that is wrong. And she's been doing that for 50 years, maybe more. She might still be active. And that's what we got to do. You got people telling us we need to end racism. We need to end this. We need to end that. But they're the ones that keep stirring the pot. They're the ones that are the racist, the misogynist, the bigoted, the white supremacist, or just the supremacist. Because no, all people, anybody can be a racist. We'd learn that from man on the street. And that's what you have to get to. You have to stop listening to the narrative. If you want to end racism, you need to start at the grassroots level. You need to celebrate other cultures. Okay, you want to know how to end racism or to help start the end of racism? It starts at the grassroots community. It starts in the neighborhoods. 
in the communities, in the locality of where we live, not on the national level, because that is effed up and that is not going to be fixed anytime soon. Start locally. Your neighborhood, your community, your community groups, your neighborhood groups. Celebrate other cultures. I've talked about this several times. Enjoy it. Other cultures have great food, dress, music, uh, holidays that go beyond Cinco de Mayo and St. Patrick's Day. So there are other holidays out there that we can celebrate that doesn't involve drinking. Although I do like those too. But you can celebrate. Celebrate it. It's okay. There seems to be this thing about cultural appropriations is bad, right? If you do it the wrong way, of course it's bad. But embracing somebody else's culture is okay. Embracing what other people celebrate is okay. Taking part in what other people do is okay. Celebrate other cultures. Call out bigotry and hate speech. Teach children kindness and how to talk about differences. Stand up for people being harassed. Intervene if it's safe to do so. So yes, we should call out people that are racist, including civic leaders, including celebrities, including politicians, including our neighbor, including our friends on man on the street that say, oh, my friends are that way because they do these stereotypical point outs of things. Call them out. Say it's not okay. When the children are playing on the playground, as they grow up, don't teach them about the differences that are negative. Reinforce the positiveness. That's okay if they're a different color. That's okay if they celebrate different things. It's okay. And stand up. Yeah, 2020, standing up for racial equality, is that a good thing? Absolutely. Did some people go about it the right way? Absolutely. Is burning down cities, rioting, protesting, setting up micro cities, or was it Chaz and these other places? Was that okay? No. Because now I ask you, those that were out there two years ago, over two years ago, and you had the black square on your Instagram and social media, and you had all the posts, Black Lives Matter. If I look at your social media now, will I see anything wanting social change over the last two years? Or will you go back to your vacation pictures, your family gatherings, and all the other things that you normally do? And there's a few people that were adamant, got mad at me because I wasn't following in line with what they said I should be doing. They were the ones that had the black square marching in the street. And I look, I've looked at their social media, traveling to New York, traveling around the country, going overseas, family vacations, family parties, family gatherings, dinners out. Nothing about racial equality, nothing about the so-called fight that you were in to be on the right side of history a couple of years ago. Nothing. You're just back to your normal life. What have you done? Absolutely nothing. And that's a problem. So if we're going to end racism, first off, it's going to start the community level in our neighborhoods, with our neighbors, with the people in our community working together. We're going to celebrate other cultures. Call out bigotry and hate speech. Teach children kindness and how to talk about the differences and enjoy and celebrate those differences and stand up for people being harassed and intervene in a proper way 
if we have to do so. Start there. And then by doing that, hopefully we can then get others in the community, others in the city, others in our state or county, our state, and then maybe up to the country. And stop listening to the people trying to tell us this false narrative that we're the problem, we're the ones that are racist, and we're the ones that keep the division, when in fact it is them. They are the ones that are guilty. They are the ones that are out there. Because you know what? If we all came together and end racism, they would have no power. They would have no control over us. They would lose their power. They would lose their control. They would lose their money. Nobody would give. Nobody would donate to a cause to the tune of $80 million. Nobody would nominate us for a Nobel Peace Prize. But if we came together, we'd have harmony. We'd have peace. We'd have community. We'd have family. And Martin Luther King, who long ago said he had a dream, would finally start to be realized after, what, 50-some years from when he made that speech. He'll finally start to realize this dream coming true And we all will be sitting at the tablehood of brotherhood, united together, and really tackling things that are affecting us, being there in the community, helping each other out, rising up, bringing out our inner greatness, raising the standard so that we can inspire and motivate others, so that we can take our passion, make it happen, so that we can let ourselves, our community, our cities, All of us as people, our society, we can let ourselves be great. And that's the challenge that I throw out there. It's up to you. It's up to me. It's up to us. Are we going to accept that and do that? Or we can continue status quo. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. Our website, RadioWarp.com, that's Radio W-A-R-P. Click the Two Steps Ahead Podcast logo, and our shows are there. Our Instagram, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Click the uh, link tree link in the bio, and all of our places show up there as well, YouTube, SoundCloud, and so on. And then also just listen anywhere you listen to podcasts or just internet search, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and we pop up. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.